the new engagement is really sentiment, how we feel, how we interact with each other, how safe we feel, how we feel about each other, and how we feel about the company actually has a greater impact on voluntary discretionary effort, which is I volunteer to do better. I want to do better. I'll stay longer. I'll be with each other longer. Um, it'll be easier to work with me. I won't just focus on technology. Hi, this is Coach Anda. Welcome to Leading Great Workplaces. In this series, I will be talking to successful leaders and other globally recognized coaches on how they were able to create a great working environment by helping people thrive in their role. Through the stories of success and failures, you will be able to gain insights that will inspire you to lead a great workplace and build successful teams. Hi, this is Coach Anda. Welcome to Leading Great Workplaces. Today, I will be interviewing Louis Carter. And Louis Carter is a founder and CEO of Most Love Workplace, Best Practice Institute, Results-Based Culture, and the author of more than 10 books on best practices in leadership and management, including Change Champion Field Guide, In Great Company, and Best Practices in Talent Management. Louis Carter is an executive coach and strategic advisor to Fortune 500 organizations. And this includes the likes of the Pentagon and the US Department of Justice. He takes an active role in helping leaders produce the best results. He is voted as one of Global Guru's top 10 organizational culture gurus in the world and is one of the top advisors to C-level executives helping them and their organizations achieve measurable results. Thank you, Anda. So, thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, so, so excited to, to have you. And like we were um, talking about earlier, there's so many themes that you talk about that really resonate a lot with me. And the, the focus for today really is on building engagement in the workplace. So I'm, I'm just curious, what do, you think, um, what do you think is needed to be able to create a great workplace? So there's a lot of factors, but we want to do is simplify them because it's so hard for a leader these days to really simplify, make things easy. We have our monkey brain, right? That says, me want to make easy <laughs> engagement culture, right? Because yeah. it's so hard to, to, to know what that, what that is like and what does that really look like? Mm -hmm. We want to help people to really understand that. And I really feel for people who say, what do I do? You know, my teams and my top team, my employees are not doing what I want, what I need to make my goals. And we seem so upset every day. And, they, and, and to, likely, I mean, it's and understandably so. However, if they don't make that change really quickly, uh, they're going to continue to have this pattern of being upset, of being continuously uh, sort of languishing, languished in this malaise and sadness and depression, productivity goes down, it's just terrible. And instead, you, we have to change from languishing during this pandemic and during everything we're going through or in life, pre-pandemic too, we had languishing with, our, with people uh, in, in our teams to flow, right? So how do we get to flow? Flow is our natural state of creativity. Where we're able to work with each other in a way that we want to and we, we uh, execute well and we are accountable and everything is, is running in the same direction and we're all doing well. Well, first one, first part of this process is acknowledgement. So acknowledging that we are at a certain place. We know we're here. I know there's issues with, te with technology, whatever it may be right now. So I have a 
a client. His name is Jim. Mm -hmm. Jim, Jim is at a really tough place right now because he always has technology issues and he can't get to where he needs to go. Right. Yeah. Just always in his way. And his boss gets mad at him because his boss says, well, I, I really need you to do these things without worrying about technology. And he says, well, I need to get my technology boss in order to do this right. Mm-hmm. Boss gets angry. He says, no, that's not true. Keep doing this. Keep going. That Get there. He says, I can't. I need these things to do this, this, this. You need, 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 need. I can't, can't, can't. I said, Jim, stop. <laughs> Jim, stop. So that's the, first, that's the second step. Acknowledgement, stop. Stop the behavior. Stop what you're doing about you can't do this. This is to blame. That's to blame. Get past it. It's not your job to tell your boss what's going wrong. It's your job to let go of what you think you know so greater good can come to you and your boss. So going back into from languishing and anger and blame to that set of flow of I can do this. I will do this. I'm moving forward and it will happen. Now I'm connecting with my boss. Okay. Second client, ready for this? This is the second part of the process. Mm -hmm. So there's blame. That's one blame and I can't do things. Second client is I can do them and I do them better than anyone else. (laughs) So this is the too smart client, okay? The client that says I can do everything. I don't tell me how to do my job. I'll do it. I'll come tell you how to do it and won't accept anything, any feedback or advice or knowing what to do. So Bob, let's call it Bob. Bob's working with his boss who, who does not want this anymore in her life. She knows she's been through what Bob does all the time. She's done what Bob's job. She knows what Bob's job should be. And Bob keeps moving on, on her and saying, no, I can do it better. I can do it better, Heather. I can do this better. Heather's like, I've had enough of this. I don't want this anymore. Don't do it better. Do it with me. Co-creation, number two. <laughs> I like so that. Accept, so accept co-creation like, number two. Yeah, Don't so I do like better. so far. Can we just put a pause a little bit? So I, I, I like yeah. what um because I like the acknowledgement part. And I think acknowledge is so important because um that's the first part in seeing what's really happening. Because sometimes people deny that or they just don't want to see what, what they can do also, like empower themselves and take control of the situations. I think that's the first part. I agree, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And that's the that's the third seeing around corners. <laughs> so acknowledgement, right? Number one, right? Knowing where, where I am and what and who I am and what I'm doing and letting go and blame, that's acknowledgement, right? Second is co-creation with your boss and with others. So you're creating the future. And the third one you're talking about is seeing around corners, acknowledging what's happening around me. Like you said before, before Anda, you had said about Intel, Intel, getting Intel. You said that that resonated with you. Mm-hmm. Intel is super important. So third is getting Intel. Those are the three most important. Getting Intel on how people are perceiving you, seeing you in the moment. And that will ri- make, you can rise above it all, right? So this is, a, and, and see where things are in front of you. And I always say, put it in front of you, that kind of ball, right? You can yeah. see that ball of energy that exists and what, what you look like in that crystal ball and that, and how other, because what you look like may be very different than others see you. And that's Intel. Yeah. I was wondering also with that Intel, like um, not, not everyone takes that, that feedback or that um, observation from other people well. And so I was also wondering um, as a coach uh, or on your observation, how do you help leaders get, get, get through that? It can be difficult. 
it's not easy. Um, I completely understand because I've been through it before um, where I've, I've been given feed forward, feedback, intelligence around how people perceive me. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people, there's going to be people, there's going to be people who don't like you. There's going to be people who don't want to even work with you um, or they see things in you that perhaps they don't want in themselves and they want it to be easy to work with you. You have to let that go. That's number one. And accept basically that you are a flawed human being. We all are. If we're not flawed, then we're not growing. That's number one. Uh, number two, I see some of the things will, will hurt. They won't feel good, right? And it's, we're not doing this to feel good. We're doing this to figure out whether or not we should change certain things. So what I do is instead of, and this is something you may want to try, yeah. instead of uh, just showing what other people say and saying you should change, I don't believe in that. I believe that we should change the things we want because people change fundamentally the things that they want to change in their lives. That's just, just what we do it's, yeah. as human beings. If I I'd see this change, I'd, other people say it too. Oh, my. I think I should change that then. It'd be great. I'd love to. I'd yeah. love advice on how to do it too. So I, I say, well, what's the cost? We do, I do cost benefit of some of the changes. So let's look at a change that, that thematically people are saying about you. Say, okay, what's the cost of doing that? What's the cost of you making that change? What will you have to give up as a result of doing that? What more time might you have to do? to do that? What kind of knowledge you have to acquire, et cetera, et cetera. And then what's the benefit of doing it to you? So now that's only one step. <laughs> the second is you got ideas, then how to do it. Now you have to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing that um, value. The, if you hear what the, the value it is for you, and that's, go- that's, the, that's the step that's going to make you want to change or want to do something about it. Absolutely. Right? That's right. That's the thing, identifying value and the value it is to you because it has to help you and it has to help that individual as well. So they see, oh, this will change. Therefore, I'll feel better as a result. Mm -hmm. Right. I will feel better. I'll feel like I want to produce more for that individual and for myself, which is what engagement is all about. Yeah. Um, I I was also wondering about um, that part of engagement. Like what if there's a leader who doesn't see value in, in people? right? Who's very focused on just, oh yeah, goals and strategies and all that. How do you make him see the value of that when, you know, initially he doesn't see it? Typically they they know that there's some value in people intrinsically because they know they can't do their job without people, right? (laughs) Other people um, at the C-level at least. Uh, The question is how do they value people and how are they uh, expressing that value of other people? So, Example, I do have an example of another client who really is an excellent technical uh, leader and knows, has amazing technical knowledge, is an incredible thought leader um, at that level. However, um, having hundreds and hundreds of people below him, literally in, in direct report structure to him, he, he doesn't talk to them as if they were peers, right? So instead of talking to them as if they were his peers, he doesn't say hello. He doesn't ask them about their lives. He doesn't engage them in any kind of like sentiment uh, where they know he exists. They just see him as this kind of uh, hard to touch. No, we don't know he exists. So yeah, that's a mistake. Question is, do you want to get to that next level leadership as 
is sort of that eighth habit, right? Of that's, Covey that's a talks very good about. Question. That's a very good question. The eighth habit or the next level leadership, or do you just want to stay where you are? And you can stay where you are. Yeah. You know, it, it's okay. You, the, the cost though of that is that you won't make it to the C-level ranking, the board level ranking, because you have to create massive amounts of stakeholders inside of your company, outside of your company, in community. You have to, there's, there's, a, there's a, uh, a calculus to getting to top C-level at CEO and board level that doesn't exist uh, in, in technical um, manager, director, SVP land. So I'm hearing it's like really understanding what's the cost to you or what could you be missing out if you if you don't listen to what the, the intel that you're picking up and what's in, what's important at this time. Yeah, there's a cost. It's also a practice of um, setting up your stakeholder groups and your the people who will help you the most and really going in and saying, all right, these are the people that are going to help me get to where I am and they're going to help me get to where where, where I want to be, right? So that, that, that practice of building up your groups, your core groups, and it consistently uh, working with them to give you feed forward and to help you in your career, it, it's a real practice. You actually have to do it daily. Um, and you look up a, a study um, by Howard Morgan, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, and Strategy Plus Business called Leadership is a Contact Sport. You'll see that the more you follow up with individuals, the better. Yeah, so the more you talk to them, the more you interact with them, right? And, and, and yeah. I think picking up from that, um, Luis, so I think it's all about also um, the more you also get in contact with them, I think it also relates to engagement in a way also because um, you're, you're trying to check how they are, how they think about you, what's important for them as well. Not just what's important for you, but what's important for them. And so I, I kind of wanted to, you wanted to say something, sorry. Well, you had mentioned that before about engagement and, and you're saying, well, it's not all about engagement, right? And you're, you're saying that, and it's true. Uh, it's not all about engagement. Uh, most love workplace, what we were talking about before, or just in, I'll say in general, the research that we found is that um, the new engagement or uh, is really sentiment. So how we feel, um, how we interact with each other, um, how safe we feel. You've heard psychological safety, of course, it's a little different sentiment. Um, how we feel about each other and how we feel about the company actually has a greater impact on vo voluntary discretionary effort, which is I volunteer to do better. I want to do better. Um, I'll do more, I'll stay longer, I'll be with each other longer, um, it'll be easier to work with me, I won't just focus on technology, <laughs> or some things that are, you know, sort of in the way, right, or, you know, I won't make up stuff, um, I'm in the zone with people, I'm flowing, I'm not languishing, so yeah, you really need that. Yeah, um, and I was wondering, are, are these, uh, and these are important things that you mentioned, I like that it's um it's something like a it's a feeling that you that you get right and then that's important because um we're human beings we all are working in a company and and we're com it's composed of people and so it's it's the connection um that that um that the connection that you have and so i was also curious um is this something that you you mentioned in your book in in great company yeah emotional connectedness right is that what you yes so yes. 
so you might want to know, like, we all want to be connected to each other. It's by nature, it's, it's innate. (laughs) Uh, This concept of uh, oxytocin uh, that is released, uh, you know, into a child's body from the mother, literally as they're, they're connecting Um, this kind of, it's a love hormone, literally love hormone. Um, and we seek it. We need it in our lives. Um, it's been known to you know, reduce cortisol and stress and enable us to be more free-flowing. And we really need this connectedness. Um, this form of, of, it's really a form of love and it's companion love, not com- other types of love. I call it, it's called com- companion love. I think so we, we seek out this kind of companion love, which is we feel understood. We feel loved. We feel trusted. We feel respected. And in the absence of that, we don't want to work with others. <laughs> so like even outsourced la- labor these days, people aren't going to work with you if they don't like you or if you don't like them, right? Sure. So you have to really like the person these days. <laughs> it, and it doesn't work any other way. Like if, and if they don't like you, if they don't like things that you're doing, think it's gonna, it goes like a snap. Yeah. Relationships can go like a snap. And yeah, I think the important question also is to uh, find out and I'm wondering if, if, um, if you can share that with us also, how do you create that emotional connection or how do you bring out those emotions and, you know, the people that you work with, how you become even more sensitive to that? Yeah. So, so there's two ways you can look at it. So there's the personal way that you can make it, you can make that personal connection immediately. Right. And then there's over time, how can you do it with teams? So for teams in particular, there's five different elements really that are super important. They need to happen in order for connection to happen. So the first is co-creation, collaboration. We had talked about that as an individual uh, factor. So did my teammates actually work with me to develop something that was larger than what, what we all are individually? It really could be a lot of things in that way. It could, it could be that uh, it was a decision that the team made, that they created something better, they were successful doing it, and they felt like they were a part of that. That's part of that, that end result. That's, that's the first one. It's called systemic collaboration. I was part of the system that made something larger. And it wasn't just an individual contributing, but I felt like I was part of that. Okay. So that's number one. Do you want to talk a little bit about that first one, or I can move on to the other four there? That's really important. So I, people who don't typically feel like they're collaborating systemically in the system feel disjointed or marginalized and marginalization reduces productivity substantially. And also what it really does is people want to leave. Okay. So they want to leave the company and they'll leave quickly and they'll hate you. Okay. So you have no idea how much you're hated by people if you are marginalized. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That talk about it. Intel. I guarantee that if you have a person on your team right now who was not involved in something that was kind of a big deal for in your in your in your uh, in your company, chances are they feel marginalized. They feel like they were excluded. You yeah. better figure out who that person is quickly because you're going to either lose them or your productivity is going to go low or you're going to be seen as someone who is a jerk, which is even worse because then everyone then it just flows everywhere else in your company. What I'm hearing actually from you is like more of this um, sense of belonging. To something bigger so you're all part of one team and um so it's something similar they see also in sports teams as well so there has to be like a bigger meaning a bigger purpose or what's the impact that you're doing as a team together that's right and that's the second one which is positive vision of the future okay this 
this big, this bigger vision, this bigger purpose, this the why behind what you're doing. Um, Hubert Jolie from Best Buy, he was brought into Best Buy largely because of his why, because of his vision. Um, back then, uh, Circuit City went upside down. Uh, all of the big box, you know, realtors were, you know, going to, were sort of were going upside down. They were getting lost from because of Amazon and eBay, right? Yeah. So people would walk into Best Buy or Circuit City, which is bankrupt now, and they would just check out stuff. You know, it would be like a showcase, and then they they put their phone up to it and find out how much it is and then shop it on Amazon. Well, Hubert said he actually, and he saw opening for CEO and Spencer Stewart was, was helping with that. Jim Citron was his recruiter at the time from Spencer Stewart. Mm -hmm. And he said, Hubert says, I've got the answer to this. <laughs> so he came in with a positive vision of the future, which was this. I want us to be a community to the customer. Okay. Let's, what does that look like? Tell us more Hubert. What that means is really, I want us to help them become better at using our equipment, our products. Mm -hmm. Whoa, that's 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 awesome! This, you know, this is sort of it's like game changing. Complicated. It's simple. It's a clear vision. Clear vision. Yeah. And he said, and he said, then he said something where, where the board's ears really perked up. We're gonna make more money as a result of doing it. Wow. A second, we're going to make a second revenue stream from it. Perk, perk, perk. So Geek Squad was born. Uh, of course, he became CEO. Uh, their their shock price went up. Anyhow, that rest is history. Positive vision of the future is enormous. Uh, Bernie Marcus is another great example of that at Home Depot. He and Frank Blake had a great vision. Their vision was that they were going to make everybody in the community become better as a result of buying from Best Buy. Customers would get lower prices because it's in volume. Vendors would get customers because they would go to the same place to get the same stuff they needed <laughs> as customers going. So they would win and they would win because they buy in bulk and others would buy from them in the entire community. So everyone wins. Wow. Yeah. So I like that because especially now when um, with the uh, you know, current pandemic that's happening also, it's, um, it's all about um, I think what you stand for as a leader, your, what your beliefs are, your values, and the vision that you see. I think that's an anchor also for everyone, if that's very clear. Absolutely. That's right. It is an anchor. And, and it's funny, you said, I think. You know, I think is our values, right? It's what you believe, too. I think that is an anchor for. That's the third, alignment of values, right? It's also so, all right. <laughs> it flows. It flows. The alignment of values, how your values are aligned with that of the company. So if you really don't believe uh, that, uh, you know, for, for in Patagonia, let's take Patagonia as an example. If you don't believe that in uh, conscious consumption, <laughs> which is what they don't believe, which is what they believe in, right? They, they say, we, we don't believe in, in, in capitalism or conscious consumption, right? And, and, uh, so, which by the way, helps them sell more, by the way. Mm -hmm. So when they tell people during Christmas, don't buy our product, guess what people do? People buy their product. <laughs> they buy their product. So yes. if you don't believe in that though, and you're not kind of in that flow of belief that Patagonia, you're probably not going to work there. So you have to kind of see, are my values aligned with that of the company? Just like you said, I believe in this. So if you don't believe in what they do or their product or the way they do it, you're probably not going to connect with them. Also of your team is that your, is your team working in that same way? Have you had an example like that, Agna, where you really worked in a team, you have actually seen a team not align with your values? 
Yeah, so there are people like that. Um, there, there may be also some members of the team who are aligned with your values, but you'll also see other people who don't. And um, I was wondering about, I was about to ask you that question. You read my mind because I was going to ask you, what about the people who don't really see that connection? Is there a way to just help them see the connection? I mean, is it, is it forcing them or should they go because they're not connected to the company that way? So there's two different there's two different things a person could do if they're not aligned with the values. Okay, number one is respect the values and work within the structure of the values. Or number two is disrespect it, and 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 leave right uh, and and leave that that structure literally. So it really is disrespect and adjust or adapt and work within, or really leave because leaving is important as much as it is staying. I, really, I truly believe. So, so if you truly don't believe and you're truly miserable and you're truly languishing, you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, yeah, because yeah. is, it, is it worth it really to yeah. work somewhere that you don't want to be and you don't feel respected? That's yeah. the fourth one, respect. It, it, do you, is it really worth it? I, you, you know, even if you really need that job, I don't think so. There's always something else, somewhere else that you could find where you'll be happier. And I do believe that there is happier money. I do believe there's happier money, happier currency. Yeah. That happier currency is respect. And you have to balance that, that, that happier currency of respect. Um, I, I encourage everyone to do it. And it will change the way that our world works, our companies work uh, on a mass scale. Yeah, yeah. So it's also how you how changing the way you think or how you see things. It also changes the way you respond to the things that are thrown at you or respond and how you're how um how you're how you're working every single day. So I think it's important to be able to watch your your thoughts and how that's what I'm picking up from you. They they do and you could you could spot this. So if you you ever talked to a team and I, I this just happened the other day, yeah. I can describe it. So there's a team that had three individuals who were very gregarious, fun, creative, and they were working well together. And we had a specific focus on the call, and then uh, we heard a little knock on the Zoom call, and it was the boss. So they were talking, and then. Boom, the boss came in and the whole, everyone changed. They said, how are you today, Vern? I said, have you here? Uh, will you start your presentation, please? You know, so it was literally from this point of saying, I really feel good and I feel myself. And yet the boss came in and she and just destroyed everything. Oh my God. She just wow. destroyed it. Yeah. I, I, guarantee, I guarantee if we asked people right now in the audience, how many times they've seen that, or if they've been in that situation, we'd get an eight, eight out of 10. Eight out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's so important. You know, like I think as a leader, also you have to be able to see how you're affecting the people around you, or if you don't see the response that you're getting, there must be something that you should be doing differently. Um, that's not, you know, that's probably not working, and you should think about um, what is it that's making them respond that way to you. And you know, connected to that, um, actually, my uh, one of my last questions, Louise, is to ask you. Also, like what among all the leadership qualities or you've, you've talked to many leaders and I, I'm, this might be difficult for you because there's just so many, but just to choose one leadership quality that's truly important in engagement. If you're going to pick one, what would that be? Yeah. Yeah. 
so, so the 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 one that everybody talks about uh, is empathy. Um, some are better th- uh, than it, at it than others, right? Um, emotional regulation is sort of what goes along and kind of is married to empathy. Um, now, the question is, is the leader responsible or is the only one responsible for emotional regulation and empathy? I, so I think it's less about what the leader must do than what the whole should do with the leader. So we often put on the leader, be emotionally regulated, be empathetic, mm-hmm. while everybody else is not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and there's a disconnect between what the system does and what the leader does. And the leader has this, this sort of uh, boulder on their necks trying to get up the hill while everybody else is kind of gnawing at the leader. Like, I'm being empathetic. I'm listening. I'm hearing you. I'm being regulated. You're, you're not, though. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. that, that's really what, to me, is important. While you'll have that leader who walks in the room and changes the, the tone, um, you also need to know why they're changing the tone right? You know, put yourself in their shoes as to why they're changing the tone. How are they feeling? What are the, the fifth element, killer outcomes that they need to accomplish and they feel maybe are not being accomplished? So a mix of that kind of emotional regulation, empathy with coaching and helping others to realize their situation and what the whole is, it's really, I think, the core competency of what a great leader is all about. Wow. That, that one I love also. I mean, like, um, because a lot of times you just see it one way, but you always have to see it as a whole. And I think um, if you're like a member of a team and not the leader, it's about accountability also. You're part of the team. So and what, what part do you play? What's your role in the team? And how do you get to make things better? Rather than complaining about things and pointing fingers, it's also what you can do about the situation. I think that's important. Yeah, Absolutely. so many great insights. And I really, really appreciate this conversation. I'm sure that so many people, especially leaders and and teams, will really learn from what you just shared with us today. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.